Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Well, hello, table family. Man, uh, I've reached the point at the shelter in place orders that uh, I'm ready to drive to every one of your houses uh, and be like John Cusack and say anything. Just pick up the boombox playing in your eyes and just saying hi to you guys. I just. I'm ready to gather with you guys again, and uh, hopefully, and there's that word, we can uh, maybe figure out a way to gather again soon. Uh, we're working on things behind the scenes at First Orlando, trying to figure out what is the safest, best way to get everybody together so we can gather, but um, we're not there yet, but we're, we're talking about it, we're thinking about it, we're praying about it. So I just want to you know, say way up front, please be praying for us. Uh, be praying for all our civic leaders, be praying for our state and our national leaders. We're trying to coordinate, work together as best we can uh, to figure out a way to return to some sense of normal here pretty soon. But um, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see you guys. I miss each and every one of you. Um, yeah, I'm ready to drink lattes and open God's word and gather together and then I'll go to Ale House afterwards. I'm just, I'm ready for it. So in the for what it's worth category. Hey, if you have Bibles, go ahead and open them to Psalm 25. We're going to be reading just the first five verses here today in Psalm 25. And while you guys are opening, uh, I'll just mention we have been in um, a month-long series of talks on the characteristics of God. Um, it seems that if we can come to understand the character of God, it's going to help us to know how to approach Him, how to pray to Him, how to do all the things that Christians uh, participate in. And two weeks ago, we looked at God's essential character of being transcendently great. Last week, we looked at the essential character of God being eminently good. And this week, we're going to look at one that kind of bridges both of them together. And it's the idea of God being our hope. God is our hope. And so I want to read from Psalm 25 as we get going here. The psalmist writes, In you, O Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. But shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior. And he concludes with this, and my hope is in you all day long. So here's the big question I want us to consider over the next few minutes. What does it mean that those who hope in God will never be put to shame? Or more importantly, what does it just mean that God is our hope? And how is hoping in God something that keeps us from being put to shame in our regular lives? And so I want to give you this definition. There's two words in the Old Testament in the Hebrew uh, that talk about God being our hope. And both of those terms uh, indicate uh, a picture of waiting. So you can think about a waiting room. Have you ever been in a waiting room in a doctor's office where you're in there? You know what it's like to be in a waiting room and both be hopeful and hopeless. You walk around, you think, man, if I just see the doctor, he'll give me the cold medication and then I can kind of hopefully move beyond my you know, seasonal allergies or whatever's going on. You also see the people in the room who seem quite hopeless. They go, man, I, it doesn't matter if I see the doctor, it just feels like I don't have any hope. Well, that's the picture there. Uh, in the Old Testament, the two words that paint this picture of God being our hope is that we're able to wait 
but that the waiting we have as believers in God is different than people who have no hope. We wait with an anticipation of hope. There's something going on there, and that's what keeps us from being put to shame. And so there's this very clear definition of hope that emerges from this, and uh, it's this. Hope is the strength that we gain from the faithfulness of God. Hope is the strength that believers in God gain from the faithfulness of God. There's this kind of strength that we just kind of suck out of a situation or that just kind of fills us up, almost like the sunlight that hits us when we're at the beach. We kind of get that vitamin D, we kind of soak it up, right? It's that God is this incredibly faithful being out there. And then by being in relationship with him, we gain this strength from him that allows us to persevere, that allows us to wait, that allows us to do so from a position of strength. Hope is the strength we gain from the faithfulness of God. And during this time of pandemic, um, and really throughout scripture, you can see this, but in this time of pandemic, we can see this more clearly in our own cultural context. Um, I, I just suspect that God is weaning us off of two common human tendencies. Uh, there's two common human tendencies. Number one is that we have a hope that's tied to the future. Uh, and the second is that we have a hope that's tied to science or to technology or to medicine or that kind of thing. And this is really common in human history as we'll talk about later. But let me deal with each of these. Hope tied to the future. Um, have you ever heard anybody who says, I am working for the weekend? Yeah, I'll go get through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, as long as I get my Saturday and my Sunday to go to the beach or to go party with my friends or go to the concert that I planned or whatever. Have you ever seen that kind of concept there? My suspicion is you have. Um, anytime someone is expressing this, they are saying, I am drawing strength from my future plans. I am setting a goal and this goal that I've now set and anchored on this future calendar date, I'm drawing strength from it and it's allowing me to get through the week so I can get to that future calendar date. Maybe you've done this. Your favorite band is coming in in June or July or August. Uh, there's a concert you're going to. Lizzo's coming to Anway and you're going to go see her, right? Uh, maybe there's a sporting event. You were looking forward to the Major League Baseball or soccer or whatever uh, kicking off and you had these season tickets or something. Or maybe there was... Uh, I've talked to many of you, there was a wedding date or there was a future date, a really big special milestone event that was coming in the future. And in part, we draw strength from that future date and it allows us to get through our present circumstance. That's hoping in future things. And one of the things the coronavirus did is that it completely disrupted our ability to hope in future things. And it called attention to us and said, hey, is it possible we need to wean ourselves off of that a little bit? that we need to not put our hope in future concert dates or future special events or future things. And listen, I have lots of friends who had to cancel their summer weddings. I'm not throwing shade on them. What I am highlighting here is that I'm seeing people having to grapple with the reality that we can't draw strength from future dates anymore because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. We're all sheltered in place. And so we can't put our hope in time or in future dates. The second way we do this historically is we put our hope tied to science or to medicine or to technology, kind of all those things. We'll say hope tied to STEM things, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Well, when the flu season comes, we go, I'll get the vaccine. Or if I'm an anti-vaxxer, I don't get the vaccine, but I take my vitamin B and I go get my allergy meds. And whatever, you know, I take, I get my ther Theraflu, I get my whatever. We have our concoction of medical things that are tried and true. And we know if we take that medicine stuff, 
then we don't have to worry about the flu hitting us or some of these things and we just go, okay, I'll get through it. You know, we get a cold, we go to the doctor, we get the medicine, we get the prescription, we move along. Well, with coronavirus, we can't do that because there is no vaccine and there is no medicine and we're still inventing this stuff as a human species as we go. Whereas previously we would draw our strength from science and we would feel confident to kind of face any flu season or seasonal allergies. Uh, whereas we drew our strength from medicine, whereas we drew our strength from the technology we might be able to access, coronavirus has disrupted this. We can no longer draw strength from the medical community or from the scientific community, okay? We can't do this. God is weaning us off that kind of tendency. And he's leaving us in a situation where we have to figure out how to draw our strength from something else. And I suspect that what God's trying to tell us right now in this moment Medicine is really good. Future planning is really good. And we'll talk about that later. But when it comes to the issue of hope and where we draw our strength, God is telling us we can only find our strength in the Lord. Because here's the deal. God exists outside of time. And God is the only one who can heal perfectly. He can heal better than medicine can. He often uses medicine to heal us, but God is ultimately our healer. And so if we're going to try to draw our strength from anything, we shouldn't draw it in these secondary things out here, time and medicine. We should draw our strength from the one who created time and medicine. We should draw our strength from God, who is perfectly strong and perfectly faithful. And if we can hope in him, we will not be put to shame. You know, I was thinking about this um, in light of recent events. Um, uh, we've been watching the Michael Jordan documentary. Maybe you've been watching it too or you have friends who have. ESPN has been running this 10-part long documentary over uh, the coronavirus pandemic. And it's just this very fascinating look inside of this um, mega popular athlete in the 90s. And uh, if you don't know anything about Michael Jordan, he is probably the greatest basketball player ever and maybe one of the greatest athletes who's ever lived. I mean, there's like Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Pele, Tiger Woods, that's kind of the echelon, right? Um, and so uh, late in the 1998 season, this film crew is interviewing some of his teammates and they're all really tired and they're really worn out and they're really run down from just the, the pressure to win and win and win. And so they go up to one of his teammates, Steve Kerr, uh, who is now the coach of the Gold State Warriors and at that time was a teammate of Michael Jordan. And they said, Steve, what's the secret? How are you guys able to endure and have patience in the midst of these really difficult challenges that are coming on? And his answer was really interesting. He starts to give this answer. He goes, well, you know, I think, and then he kind of stops and laughs and he goes, well, you know, we have Michael on our team. And that's his answer. <laughs> he was saying, because we have Michael on our team, we can endure, we can have patience, we can wait on any problem that comes our way. Why? Because Steve Kerr and his teammates learned they could draw strength from the faithfulness of Michael Jordan. And this is the picture of hope that we see in the Old Testament. It's an analogous thing here. The people of God are able to not be put to shame. They're able to endure anything. They're able to survive anything that comes at them. Why? Because they're strong enough? No, because they draw their strength from God who is incredibly faithful. So when it comes to hoping in God for us, for those who follow Jesus, it's not a matter of if, it's merely a matter of when. God, I know you're going to overcome this coronavirus thing. It's not a matter of if you are, because you're strong enough and you're faithful. For us, it's a matter of when. 
And so I'm going to be able to wait patiently with hope in my heart because I know how strong and how faithful you are. And I'm just going to wait for the day when you come in and you solve all this thing. And we can go back to living as normal human beings, however that needs to be. So in light of this, with God as our hope, I want to give you two practicals. I think this requires us to shift uh, some of our mindset in two key ways. Number one, it, it requires us or it invites us with God being our hope. It invites us to um, shift how we plan and it invites us to shift how we pray. And so first, uh, how we plan. I think the greatest example of this is we can, if God is our hope and we draw our strength from him, we can plan like James plans. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, writes this in James chapter 4, verse 15. He's, he's basically saying, instead of saying on such a day and such a day, I'm going to go do this. Instead of saying, I'm going to go to this concert in June, or I'm going to have this wedding in this time, or I'm going to have this milestone event in the future, or I'm going to have this thing over here. Instead, we ought to say this. Instead, you ought to say... If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And James, again, isn't trying to tear down these really important things that we plan. He's just saying, remember to plan with a hope in God in mind. Don't start planning relying on your own strength and your own ingenuity, your own ability to create your ideal time plan picture. Remember, you don't hold all the variables in the future. Only God does. So make plans with the fact that God is sovereign over the future, not you, and, and plan it going, hey, I'm really looking forward to that event if God wills. If he doesn't will that, that's okay because I don't draw my strength from the enjoyment of that future event. I draw my strength from God. And so, yeah, I'm going to enjoy that future event. It's going to be really, really good, but it's not God. And so I'm going to plan everything with God's will in mind. And if he wills it, excellent. And if he doesn't, that's okay too because my hope it's not in this future event. My hope is in God. So we can learn to plan like James. The second thing I think it does to shift us is we can learn to pray like Paul. In Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, Paul says this, now to him, he's praying, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within him, uh, uh, within us, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What's Paul saying there? We pray with great expectations. If God is our hope and our strength comes from him, then I don't pray as much as I can expect or as much as I can imagine or as much as I can uh, consider. I pray as much as God can expect and God can imagine and God can consider. I stop praying. My hope is in God. I stop praying. Well, God, this seems like the best possible outcome for me, so I'm going to pray that. Now, I might pray that to start, but then I'll go, but hold on, God. What I ultimately want is not the best that I can imagine. What I ultimately want is the best that you can imagine for me. And so I don't want the best I can imagine. I want the best that you can imagine. And it seems like, God, you can do exceedingly abundantly more than I can ask or imagine. So whatever that is, that's what I want. Mold my heart to want what you want for me, God, not what I want for me. Because I'm an incredibly limited person who prays for uh, puddles of mud instead of a holiday at the beach. Okay, So whatever the holiday of the beach equivalent is, God, whatever is better than that, whatever you can provide, that's what ultimately I want. And it may be different than what I've imagined, but that's okay. Because my hope's not in my ability to pray. My hope is in you, God. 
You're where my strength comes from. I want to conclude by telling this story here, just reminding you of this. I was thinking about us. Um, the situation we're in in coronavirus feels a lot like the situation that the people of God were in in the Old Testament when Pharaoh says, Moses, take your people and leave Egypt. And he takes all of the people of God and they flee from Egypt. Moses and his elders had this great plan of how they were going to leave Egypt, navigate uh, the kind of desert terrain and get to where they wanted to go into the promised land. They had a great plan. But then Pharaoh decides last minute, round up the chariots, let's go after them. And so he starts pursuing the people of God and the people of God get to the Red Sea and the Red Sea is a barrier. They cannot get past it. And it's really interesting. Two things are getting disrupted when the people of God get to the Red Sea. Number one, their future plans are over. There is no future planning. There is no way forward. They can't see beyond the Red Sea. They look at it and they go, this is the end. There is no more tomorrow. And they become hopeless. The second thing that happens is they all turn and they look at the chariots coming down the hill. And they go, we don't have that technology. We don't have that science. We don't have anything that can overcome that that, um, STEM stuff that's coming at us right now. That technology is going to overwhelm us. We are now hopeless. And in that moment when they can't imagine anything better happening, God does something really interesting. He splits the Red Sea in half and creates a pathway in between. And the people of God walk between it on dry land. They get to the other side, and as the chariots come in, God closes the water over chariots, and he defeats the army that was coming after them. God does something more than they can ask or imagine. Why? Because he is perfectly faithful. And the people see this demonstration of faithfulness and they draw strength from it. And immediately Moses and his sister stand up and they lead this worship service, this congregational singing together. And notice the words they write in in Exodus chapter 15. Here's what Miriam sings. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider was thrown into the sea. That technology that I thought was gonna bring hopelessness it has now been destroyed. Why? Because my strength doesn't come from technology. It comes from the Lord. Miriam continues, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Table friends, I want to invite you today to consider God as your hope and what your world might be like if you draw uh, drew strength from his faithfulness and you stop drawing strength from your ability to plan, smart as you all are, Stop drawing strength from medicine and science and technology, as amazing as that is. And to understand that the one who has created time, the one who has created medicine, the healer God, he's the one who provides a perfect strength. Let me pray for us. Now I want to invite us to sing a song called Living Hope, about the hope we have in Jesus, who is our strength. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thanks for this time together, even digitally. Wherever people are watching or streaming, if they're watching live or they're watching on uh, demand much, much later. Lord, would you bless our people wherever they are across Orlando and across the globe. Lord, would you meet them and make them keenly aware that you are our hope. Would you give them strength and give them the patience to endure, even in this unique season. Until the time when you bring it to a close and move us into the next season where you're going to do something immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Lord, we know it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So we trust you. Our hope is in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.